morning, Mac. We have a few announcements from the one and only Joe Trotty. Woo, Woo Joe! I, I hope. I didn't do it. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, well, see, it's getting close, isn't it? It's almost eighty out, right? Thank do we do Hawaiian shirts next week again or no? Yeah. We'll try it again? Yeah. Okay. All right. You lead, we'll follow. There we go. All right. It's Hawaiian <laughs> shirts next next Sunday. All right. We've got a, a, a lot of opportunities for service uh, at the church coming up. So it's going to be things like the youth ministry needs some help in their areas. Uh, we're going to have a couple of cleaning days coming up. So be aware that uh, if you've got the time, we've got the things for you to do. So even if it's an odd day, uh, you might be able to pick up on something that you can come in and help with uh, if we can get a couple people together at a time. Uh, One of the things we're going to be doing um, next week is we're going to be cleaning the windows. And we've got a a person who's a professional window cleaner is going to teach us how to do it so we can save that money for the church. And um, maybe once a month or every six weeks, we'll go ahead and clean the windows, which would be nice. Otherwise, in a few weeks, we won't be able to see out the windows to see the sun as it comes in. Okay. Preparations are underway for this year's Vacation Bible School, and uh, it takes place on June 13th through the 17th. And uh, Discover your place in helping this year's program be a success by signing up at the VBS table in the entryway. Um, or is it at the rear of the sanctuary? Yeah. Oh, it's right there with all those fancy decorations. Yeah. All right. Don't get too obvious. <laughs> okay. Uh, next. Uh, thank you for your generous support of the bake sale. They raised $151.10, which is a, it, that's a long way going toward their weekend trip that they're going to be taking. And basically, it's going to be teaching them uh, learn to grow with friends, leaders, and most importantly, God. So that'll really help. And donations are willingly accepted. If you would still like to support the children who are going to that, you don't have to buy food. Some of us don't need extra food. But uh, it would be okay to donate some extra money to that. And then uh, join us Friday, the May 13th from 6 to 8. We're going to have another game night. It's a family fun game night, and it was really a lot of fun last time. Some of us didn't even play games. We just sat and talked and had a good time. Some played games, and and there were a lot of different types of uh, entertainment and fun things going on. So uh, plan for that. That's May 13th from 6 to 8. All right, and that's it. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Uh, would you stand with us? Um, we're going to enter some time of worship. And uh, in thinking about last week's uh, message and Nehemiah's lamenting uh, for Jerusalem and you know, and, and our call to for our hearts to be changed for, for this city and to be broken for this city, um, I was... I was brought to this first uh, song, and it was mostly the the, the bridge of this song. Um, it's just been on loop in my head. Actually, I think that Ted had several song like song lyrics like in his. It was almost like a game show to me because I was sitting there trying to figure out what song it was. But anyways, this song has been just been on loop uh, kind of in my brain, and um, and the lines are: Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. And I just felt like that was a great prayer that we need to be seeking uh, from God to usher in hearts that truly desire to partner with him in his work at Ball State, um, the city and the ends of the earth. So, um, God, it needs to be you uh, that brings our hearts to that place, that breaks 
um, for lostness around us. Uh, we need your spirit to move us there. Um, so bring us to that place. Um, remove our bias, remove our selfishness or whatever sins are keeping us from, from be- getting there, God. Um, and may we see your people and your creation as you do. And I just pray that you would align our, our hearts to yours, Father. Um, so would you sing this with us? Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. my heart for what breaks yours everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity
praise be your welcome let our songs be a sign we are here for you we are here for you let your breath come from heaven fill our hearts with your life we are here for you we are here for you to you our hearts are open nothing here is hidden you are our one desire Let your fire fall down Let our shout Be your anthem Your renown Fill the skies We are here for you We are here for you Let your What's dead come to life? We are here for you. We are here for you. To you, our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy. Let your fire fall down To you our hearts are open Nothing here is hidden You are our one desire You alone are holy Only you are worthy God Let your fire fall down Let it fall Welcomed in this place, we welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise, Almighty God of love. Be welcomed in this place. Let every heart adore, let every soul awake, Almighty God of love. Be welcomed in this place. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcomed in this place. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy, only you are worthy. Let your fire fall down 
love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty one, broken and lost, God gave His Son to win. His erring child, He reconciled and pardoned from His sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. How measureless and strong It shall forevermore endure And shall forever be our song When years of time shall pass away And earthly thrones and kingdoms fall when men who hear refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call God's love so sure shall still endure all measureless and strong redeeming grace to Adam's race the saints and angels song of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure, and shall forever be our song. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made Were every stock on earth a quill And every man a scribe by trade To write the love of God above He would drain the ocean dry Nor could the scroll Contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure, and shall forever be our song. Of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure, and shall forever be our song.
Jesus, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Spirit, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify his name in all the earth. Jesus, glorify thy name. Seated. There's a VBS meet video, uh, and then I think I don't know if the kids go. You can help with VBS, huh? I'd love to, but Daniel, we don't draw on the window. We don't do that. I need a day at the spa. I think I've got a place for both of you. Skiing accident. You'll be perfect. Uh, can you turn to the left a little? I would love to volunteer at BBS, but I'm just all tied up right now. I'm just business calls, you know, that kind of stuff. We've got just the job for you. still not convinced. Is there really a place for everyone at VBS? I mean, I'm not into hanging out with kids a lot. <laughs> I mean, they're great and all, but 
I prefer adults. I may even be on vacation if, if I can get away from this huge project at work. So I'm really not sure I can do anything. Well, there really is a place for everyone at VBS, I promise. So even if you're not so into working with kids, there's ways that you can help. We're going to be feeding all the children um, and all those that are helping. So that's a lot of people. We're going to need help preparing the food and buying it and serving it and cleaning up. We also need like people to facilitate you know, groups of our, our Egyptian families, too. Hmm. Oh, and, and we you would just be facilitating you know, as they go visit Joseph, as they go to play games, as they go to the marketplace. The marketplace is going to be really cool. Oh. And um, then you just facilitate a group discussion, and don't worry, everything is provided for you. Yeah, but remember, I'm just not really into kids. I'm mean, glad, glad God made them, but I don't do kid stuff. Not to worry. There are still more pl- ways that you can help. So we're also going to need some awesome characters in our marketplace to share some of their skills. We're going to have brick making. Um, we're going to have mm. um, even some live animals, we're hoping. Mm. Um, there's going to be food. Lots of different shops that we're going to need some characters to play. And they're going to need to be playing a part as far as talking about this God, these God followers that they've been hearing about. Hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. And I should also mention, we're going to need lots of items that we need to borrow for decorations. Can't hmm. simply buy all of them. And we also have some items that maybe you'd like to purchase. So there's ways that you can help, even if you're not um, even available. If you are going to go on your, tr- your trip, if you can get away from work, there's also ways then, too. And I should not forget, the most important part of EBS is that we have people praying. I mean, it's all about oh. kids getting excited about Jesus, growing in their faith, and maybe meeting Jesus for the first time. It doesn't get any better than that. That's true. That's true. Well, you're right. I mean, it is really about kids getting excited about Jesus and coming to know Him better. And I guess I certainly can pray. So, um, well, I want the kids to experience Jesus. So, well, he's making a big difference in my life. Even if I don't do kids stuff, I think I have some baskets I might be able to donate. And um, I really wouldn't mind purchasing some items for you. So, between that and, and praying... I guess I really can help, and everybody could do something for VBS this summer. Absolutely. Hey, there's a table back there, and let me help you, and we'll, like, sign up where you can bring the baskets and the things to purchase. Okay. Let's go. All right. Great. I know that Rachel would love to talk to all of you. Uh, at some point about how you can get involved in VBS. Um, and uh, this is, uh, Rachel and I sat down a week or so ago and she just kind of outlined for me what VBS was going to look like. And I was getting excited by the end of the meeting as to what all uh, is going to be available. But we do need a lot of help uh, for that to pull it off. Whether you're working with kids or you're behind the scenes preparing a meal, cleaning up, whatever, set up, whatever it is, uh, we do need uh, everyone's uh, help and involvement. I am praying for a hundred kids. Uh, that's more than we've ever had, but that's more than 
possible uh, with the God that we serve. So uh, if you sign up to pray, join me in praying for 100 kids. Um, And then you need to pray for Rachel and the others that they are ready for 100 kids (laughs) to walk in because that is more than we've ever had. But uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now and uh, seek Him out uh, this morning. Father, we are thankful that You are our God. Lord, that we can come and that we can worship that we can come before you, that we can join our hearts and our minds, Lord, our, our spirits with one another, and just bow before you, just, just rest before you. Father, my prayer this morning is that your Holy Spirit would move among us, would move within us, would change us, would challenge us. Father, we have a daunting task in front of us. To reconcile all people to you. Uh, Father, a desire that you have to work through us, to use us in that task. Father, open us up. Give us the boldness, give us the courage to allow the Holy Spirit to use us. Day in and day out, moment by moment. Father, give us the disciplines we need. Father, we pray this morning that you would open your word to us, fresh and new. Lord, maybe maybe things we've already heard, maybe things we know, but Lord, just confirm in us. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Challenge us. Lord, I pray that we would leave here different than we came in because we've been in contact with the King. Because we have met you here in this place. So Father, now have your way as we dive into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My dad and I, my dad will be 86 here in a couple weeks. And we try to touch base ideally every week. But... I'm busy and I don't know what he's doing. Um, At 86, he does whatever he wants. So he doesn't really have a set schedule. But uh, either I'll call him or he'll call me. And we try to touch base every week or so. And and it's interesting that when... When mom was still alive, I would call to touch it, touch base with them, and, and dad would answer the phone occasionally. Usually he did not answer the phone because he didn't like phones. And But on the occasion that he would answer the phone, we'd go through the idle little chit-chat, you know, how's the weather, what are you doing, How you, hey, you want to talk to your mom? Yeah, put her on. And then I'd talk to mom for, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. And after mom passed away, I thought, man, those phone calls are going to be horrible. Because I don't like talking on the phone. Dad doesn't like talking on the phone. We'll probably be in. We'll be out. We'll talk, do the weather. We'll t- Now, when I get on the phone with dad, it's 30 or 40 minutes. And what I found out is he wanted all of the information. He just got it through my mom. And now that mom's not there, he'll get it through me. And, and, but I also noticed that there tends to be a pattern in our conversation. That the, the phone call almost always goes the same way. That if he calls me, I'll say, what you up to? I, I don't know if that's a common phrase, but it, it works on, on our phone conversation. What you up to? What you been doing? 
And we usually do hit the weather. In the winter, I always ask, you know, are you staying warm? And uh, summer, this time of year, you've been out golfing yet. And we do that little idle stuff. And then he starts the pattern. He starts the questions. How are the kids? And we go through that. How's Alex? How's she liking her job? How's Mackenzie? How's she doing at school? How's Michael? How's school with him? How's, you know, how's Sarah? How's her job? How, how's the church is always the question he ends with. How's the church going? And then we may pick up a topic or two that just kind of has popped up in the last week. But we've established, whether he knows it or not, this pattern. That I know when I'm going to talk to Dad, I need to have a story about Alex. I need to have a story about Mackenzie, a story about Michael, and a story about Sarah. And I need to have a story about the church. Because that's the pattern he's formed. That's what he wants to know. That's how that conversation goes. And with some people, if you talk to them a lot, and you really listen, and you really focus on the conversation, you'll notice that there are certain conversational patterns that you have with different people. The way the conversation starts, maybe the way it flows, maybe there are topics that you can just tell, I need to make a turn here. This is not going to go down a road that I want to continue traveling on. And you can tell by the tone of their voice, their voice may change, you're getting onto a sensitive subject. Maybe it is something that you, you know what, we need to tackle this, and you dive in and you listen. And, but there are certain patterns that we form in our conversations. Now many people have said that prayer is just a conversation with God. That we can just, we talk to God the same way we can talk to anyone else, and that is true. Now anytime that we or that I preach on prayer, it's always a, uh, I always want to tread lightly because prayer is an easy topic that you can come down hard on. You can make everyone feel guilty as they walk out because they don't pray enough because none of us do, right? I don't either. So let's avoid the guilt this morning. We just know none of us are right where we want to be. Spurgeon, I think it was he that, he said he prayed three hours every day. If it was a busy day, he prayed four. Because he knew it. And he always said that wasn't enough. He wished he had more time to pray. So however amount of time we're praying, we could always tell ourselves, I need to do it more. I need to pray more. But prayer really is just a conversation. And when we talk to God, we can develop a pattern. Kind of a prayer pattern. And, and so this morning, I, I kind of want to talk about that. I want to talk about our pattern, our conversational pattern with God. Now, I'm not saying it's a formula. I'm not coming up with a formula. There, there's a big difference. We don't need a formula for prayer. A magic prayer. Say these words, turn around three times, pat your belly, and boom, you're in. Okay? I'm not looking for a formula. I'm, not looking. I'm just saying a pattern of conversation. The way in which we approach God. The way in which we, we talk to God. That we can develop a pattern in, that, in, our, in our prayer life. Jesus actually warns us against prayers that lack meaning. Prayers that are rote. Prayers that we just say over and over. And we've said them so many times that we don't even really think about what we say. He warned us against that. He said in Matthew chapter 6, it says, When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. 
See, I know what my dad needs before he ever asks. I know he needs a story on Alex, one on on Mackenzie. He needs needs all those stories. He needs to know what's going on. So before he ever calls or before I call him, I know what he's going to ask me for. Your Heavenly Father is the same way. And so trying to impress him with words, trying to impress him with a length of time that we talk, is pointless. Jesus says, don't be like the idolaters who just want to babble. They imagine that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we know that as Lord's Prayer. Maybe in a little different translation than what you're used to. But again, we're not interested in the memorization and the recitation, just reciting over and over that prayer. Because sometimes even that prayer can get to be meaningless if we just memorize it as a prayer that we say at certain times. And Jesus says, that's not the point. I'm giving you a pattern of prayer. When you pray, pray something like this. Let this pattern be the conversation that we have with, with Jesus, with God. I think Jesus was really just giving us a general guide. Now, Nehemiah... We've been walking through, we started last week in the, in the book of Nehemiah, walking through his, his life, kind of this, this part of his life. Nehemiah reflects a pattern of prayer that many others in Scripture reflect. Moses, what we're going to talk about this morning, Moses reflected in his prayer times. Daniel chapter 9 almost reflects exactly what Nehemiah was praying. And they lived 70 years apart. This, this prayer that, that Nehemiah prayed that we're going to look at this morning and this pattern of prayer was able to move him from despair to confidence. To, to move him from, oh my gosh, the, the, the rubble, the, 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 the condition of Jerusalem, the problems that are there that drove him to weep and mourn for days. At the end of this prayer, there's a sense of confidence in him. Put yourself in Nehemiah sandals. He grew up in a non-Jehovah society. We would say a non-Christian society or postmodern, post-Christian society. But he grew up in a very non-Jehovah society. Babylon, uh, Persia, the, the city of Susa where he was residing, was anything but God-honoring. They honored all the gods, or tried to. They wanted to make sure all their bases were covered. And so here he is in this pagan, idolatrous society with many gods, and yet he never went to church because the temple was in ruins, and that's where they went to church. So he has never in his entire life gone to church. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have the written word. He couldn't pull up a hundred different translations of the Pentateuch on a tablet or a phone. 
He had no way of really carrying it with him wherever he went. And so Nehemiah maintained his relationship. In fact, that the fact that he even still had a relationship with God speaks to the fact that he maintained this relationship with God through regular times of prayer. Through regular conversations. And if we think of any of our friends, people that we would consider ourselves close to, the thing that keeps us close are those conversations. Those times when we can sit down and talk. Maybe it's light talk. Maybe it's, it's you know, just idle conversation. Just touching base. Just saying hello. And, but then there are also times where it really gets deep with a person. You know you have those friends where you, you, maybe you haven't talked to them in a long time. And yet when you do sit down to talk to them, it's, you, you pick up right where you left off and it's like you, you never missed a beat. Nehemiah was that way with God. Prayer was important to him because it was his one and really only connection to Jehovah. That if he was going to have any, any idea of Yahweh, if he was going to have any interaction with Yahweh, it was going to come through prayer. I want us to begin thinking in our own life. How important is prayer to my spiritual growth, to my spiritual life? What emphasis do I put on prayer? Because it needs to be the emphasis. It needs to be the number one thing. Everything else kind of comes along and helps with our prayer. Scripture helps with our prayer. Sunday morning and worship helps with our prayer. But our prayer life is the main work. It is the main aspect of our life with God, of our conversation, of our relationship with Him. Prayer is what sustains us. Prayer is what encourages us. Prayer is what lifts us up. Prayer is what guides us. Prayer is what moved Nehemiah from despair to confidence. That we can gain confidence, we can gain strength through prayer. Prayer really is the first work of the believer. It's the first work that we're to be about. The main thing that we're to be about. This is, this is the work that the Holy Spirit most wants to do through us. I, I never really thought of it that way. That, that the Holy Spirit, you know, He gifts us. He gives us spiritual gifts. He, he calls us into ministry. He guides us and wants to direct us. But do you realize that, that the main thing He really wants to do with us is prayer? That's most important to Him. Because He knows that it changes us. That the Holy Spirit can transform us from the inside when we pray. And not only change us, but it can change others. And what is our main objective? Is that transformation. The thing we want most is transformation. The thing we want most is renewal. Is growth. That that, that spiritual rubble around us to be renewed through the work of the Holy Spirit. As we're walking through Nehemiah, we're really focusing all of our attention on our community. That we're wanting to not just rebuild walls, physical bricks and mortar, but we want to rebuild lives. We want to see spiritual rubble transformed and, 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 and experience spiritual renewal. Not only for ourselves, but all those that we come in contact with on a regular basis. 
And what we learn today is that from Nehemiah is that prayer is the number one work. Prayer is the thing that is going to, to move us. We've talked about principles that, we are, that we're going to learn. Each week we're going to have a different principle in this idea of moving from rubble to renewal. Last week we said that if your heart isn't broken for the city, it will never be fully engaged in renewing the city for Christ. That's the principle we talked last week. And if your heart is not broken for the lostness of the people around you, then your heart will never be fully engaged in the renewal process of those lives. And our spiritual principle today is that if we're going to have success in that, success is going to come as a result of prayer and confidence in a great and awesome God. That's the lesson that Nehemiah teaches me. That's the lesson that he shows me in this prayer. That we can have success only as a result of prayer and confidence in a great and awesome God. Success. Our success or, or, or God's success, that's really the question. Are we looking for our success? Are we looking to, to be successful on our own? Or are we looking for God's success? When I come down to the end of my life, what is it that I most want to look back and see? I, I saw a, I don't know, it was one of those memes that come through Facebook and you kind of have to stop and, and read them. Even though you know you don't want to, you have to. And this one said something about that, you know, when, when the person dies, no one's ever going to say she had a nice couch and a great set of shoes. Hey, see, you all saw that one, didn't you? When it's all said and done, what success, what do, how do we want to define success in our life? Because how we define success will depend on what we want to accomplish in life. Do we want to accomplish God's work or our own works? Every great work of God starts with a group of people praying. Every revival, you go back and read church history, every revival started when a group of people came together and out of a brokenness for the lostness of people around them began to pray. Our success in reaching Delaware County, in reaching Ball State University, in reaching the ends of the earth is going to be dependent upon our willingness to persist in prayer and our confidence in a great and awesome God. So let's look at Nehemiah's prayer. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 2, or chapter 1. We'll read verse 4 that we looked at last week and then his prayer. Nehemiah, remember his brother came, told him that uh, the city is in ruins, the survivors in the province who returned from the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's walls have been broken down and its gates have been burned down. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps His gracious covenant with those who love Him and keep His commands, let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear. 
to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted corruptly toward you and have not kept the commands, statutes, and ordinances you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. They are your servants and your people. You redeemed them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today and have compassion on him in the presence of this man. At the time, I was the king's cupbearer. Look at verse, chapter 2, verse 1. During the month of Nisan... In the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence, so the king said to me, Why are you sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. So Nehemiah gets this report. And he understands that something must be done. He can't just sit back and hope. Someone else does the job. That something has to be done. So so Nehemiah sits down and immediately he goes to prayer. Sat down, wept, and immediately turns to prayer. Now it says for days of fasting and praying. Actually, months. And that's why I wanted to read chapter 2 verse 1. Because you remember in in chapter 1, verse 1, it says that it was during the month of Kislev in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes that his brother came and told him. And now it is in during the month of Nisan. Between Kislev and Nisan is four months. And so for four months, he fasted and prayed. Now it wasn't a constant fast, I'm sure, because I don't know that you could survive four months. With God, all things are possible. But if you're going to do a four-month fast, you better make sure God called you to it. Because He's going to have to sustain you through it. So, But for four months, he, he had times of fasting, he had times of prayer. And here I think he kind of summarizes what his prayer was. This is an example of the prayer. I don't think he memorized this prayer and repeated it on a daily basis for four months. But I think we have the pattern of his prayer. I think we have the gist of what he was asking, of, what he, of, of how he was approaching God. This morning, I want us to, to, to think of our own prayer pattern, our own conversations. Maybe this will confirm, maybe this will help, maybe this will completely transform the way you pray. However, the Holy Spirit wants to use it this morning to to, to bring us to this this incredible work that the Holy Spirit wants to do through us through prayer. The first pattern, the first part of, of Nehemiah's prayer is that of adoration. There's four parts to it. There's four parts to the pattern or four elements to this pattern. The first is adoration, verses 5 and 6. 
He said, I said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps His gracious covenant with those who love Him and keep His commands, let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night. The great and awe-inspiring God. He knew who He was talking to. The awesome God. These are the exact same words. This is the exact same phrase that that Daniel used in his prayer in Daniel chapter 9. At some point today, go back and read Daniel chapter 9. It's Daniel's prayer for the lostness around him. For the the people of Israel and, and, and the state that they were in. And he goes straight to the Lord God of heaven, the great and awe inspiring God, the awesome God. When Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, he starts off with our Father, King James Version, because that's how I memorized it, who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. He starts off with adoration. Jesus says when you start a prayer, start off with who you're talking to. Who God is, adoring Him. He is the awesome God. He is the holy God. He is the God of heaven, the God of earth, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We come to God and we address Him for who He is. Who we understand Him to be. The sovereign Yes, we can approach him as Abba Father, as Daddy, as that, as that little kid who climbs up on the lap. But understand who Daddy is. I remember playing baseball and my dad was always my coach for the first, I don't know, number of years. And I always had a hard time because he was a different dad at home than he was on the baseball field. He, he was, okay, he was never really daddy. We didn't have that kind of a relationship. He was dad. He was awesome. He was a great dad to me. But when we stepped on the baseball field, he became coach. And I didn't get away with anything simply because he was daddy. And I understood that real quick. In fact, he tended to be harder on me than on the rest of them. Now, in the car on the way home, he was dad. He was dad. But I had to kind of change my approach to coach dad. And so when we come to him, we can crawl up on his lap and, and we can say, Daddy, but we need to understand that Daddy... Is the awesome, awe-inspiring, great God creator of the heaven and the earth. That He is the Holy Father in heaven. We have to approach Him for who He is. To come for, to Him with, with adoration. Nehemiah saw Him as trustworthy. He said, who keeps His gracious covenant. This is the God that whatever He says He's going to do, He's going to do. And you might as well just get to know know Him that way, that what He says He's going to do, you can trust Him. He is trustworthy. And that when we come to Him in prayer, we need to understand that we can trust Him. Nehemiah did. He said, 
Lord God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps His promises, who is completely trustworthy. He's a relational God. He's a faithful God. He's a, he's a covenant God that is a loving God. Nehemiah understands all that just in this, this little phrase. He keeps his gracious covenant. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. He does what he says he's going to do. Not only that, he's a covenant God and that's a loving God because he's made promises to us. Because he loves us. He cares for us. And he's promised to take care of us. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And God is true to all of those promises. And Nehemiah just states it right up front. I understand who I'm talking to. And Nehemiah starts his prayers. Now, not every prayer. If you go through, there's about nine different prayers in this book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Some of them are just a sentence prayer. But when he had times, when he had his prayer time, when he had his, his discipline time away from the world, because some of those sentence prayers just came on the fly. Boy, this is happening. God, I need you too. But when he put time alone, he always started off with the adoration of God, of who God is. Understanding who he was talking to. Psalm 19. Turn with me to Psalm 19. An awesome, an awesome psalm of who God is. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the inhabited world. In the heavens He has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a groom coming from the bridal chamber. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making his, the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The commandment of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, than honey dripping from the comb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, there is a great reward in keeping them. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted to you. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now that's a psalm, but it's very easily a prayer. And it follows the same pattern of, of an extended adoration of who God is. Let me ask you this question this morning. How big is your God? How great, how awesome, how awe-inspiring is your God? When we go to Him in our prayer times, we need to start focusing on His greatness, on His awesomeness. That there is nothing too difficult for Him. 
Last night, I, as I was going over notes and making all the final preparations in my mind for, for this message, I was reminded of a, a video that I'd watched a number of times called That's My King. Have you ever heard it? By Dr. S.M. Lockridge, African-American pastor in San Diego. It was done a number of years ago. I posted it. Okay, because I was going to listen, I wanted to show it this morning, but it's like four or five minutes long, and it was just too long, and you get the idea about 30 seconds into it. But you need to listen to the whole thing. So I posted it on the Facebook page. So go to to Mac's Facebook page, and and you'll find it posted there uh, last night. But it it is just that, it is... It's just everything that God is. It is the awesomeness and the greatness of God. The adoration... Of who God is. Now, and so we have to understand that our success in reaching Delaware County, Ball State University, and the ends of the world, ends of the earth, our success is going to come as a result of prayer and our confidence in a great and awesome God. That He can do it. That He will do it. And so we need to spend time in our prayer time with adoration. But then he very abruptly, Nehemiah very abruptly after being uh, inspired by the, the greatness of God turns right into confession. And that's our second pattern of prayer. Nehemiah makes an abrupt transition. From adoration of God to confession of sin. Look in verse 6. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's household have sinned. We have acted corruptly towards you and have not kept the commands, statutes, and ordinances you gave your servant Moses. Confession is an important part of prayer. And really, it's a natural response to the adoration and the greatness of God. That when we, when we lift God up to His appropriate place, to the Lord of heaven, great and awe-inspiring, when we lift Him up to the... When, when we catch a, a vision, an understanding of how great and awesome He is, we realize how sinful we are. One of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture is Isaiah chapter 6. That Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, lifted up, that his, his robe filled, the, the train of his robe filled the temple, and that there were angels, seraphim, ministering to him, some flying over, and they were all singing, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he caught this vision of the awesomeness and the greatness of God, and he immediately says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He immediately went from this adoration, this incredible vision, to to immediate confession because he said, there's nothing else I can do. I have nothing to bring, nothing to add to your greatness. Confession is a natural response to the adoration of God. And it needs to be a, a, a part of our pattern of conversation, our prayer with God. Now when he says, I confess the sins we have committed against you, who is the I? He says, I confess. Who's the I? Nehemiah. Who's the we? Israel. I confess the sins that we, my people, my nation, my community, 
have committed against you. 150 years after God judged the sin of Judah and sent them into captivity, Nehemiah connected with that sin. That he took on and understood that he played a part. He wasn't there. He wasn't even born yet. He's never been to Jerusalem. But he understood that just by being an Israelite, just by being a, a Hebrew, that he, he took on that sin. He took on the personal responsibility that he had for the sins of the nation that brought him into captivity, that had him where he was at that moment. He understood the part that he played in the downfall. Breaking specific commands. Not that he was there and did it, but that he understands, yeah, I do it now right here where I am. I'm really no different than the people of Israel 150 years ago when you judge them. That I still am a sinner. That I still have sin. That, that my father's house has sin. The rubble of Jerusalem was due to the sin of the people and he took ownership of it. Same as Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. This was a prophet of God. He spoke the very words of God. He started most of his conversations to the people with, Thus saith the Lord. And I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people that are just like me. Sinful. And we need to understand that. That we need to, to look on, on this, the sins of society, the sins of this community, the, the rubble that we live in, and realize that we have a responsibility toward it. But for the grace of God, there go I. That that person who has never accepted Christ, that person who maybe has never heard that there is grace uh, awaiting him, is no different than I was before I accepted the grace. The cross, is, we, we say, is a level playing field. That no one has a foot up. Identify. Take responsibility. Sometimes we may need to ask God to reveal that sin to us. Maybe we're unaware of the sin that is, that is in our life. It's just become such a natural part of us, but it goes against the grain of who God is, against the great and awe-inspiring God. But it has become so entrenched in us, we may not even know that, that that attitude is sinful, that that action is sinful, that that thought process is sinful. And, and part of this confession is asking God to show me my sin. That I can confess it. That I can receive forgiveness. That I can receive victory over it. Because sin is only going to hinder the success. It's never going to pave the way to it. Sin only hinders our prayer life, never enhances it. And so the more sin we can get rid of, the more, the, the more sin that we can confess and leave behind and gain victory over, the better off we are going to be and the better off the people around us are going to be. 
it comes to renewing the spiritual rubble, we are not greater than the sinner next door. We've just already received the grace of God that they so desperately need. That our rubble has been renewed and is in a process of being renewed. Confession brings Nehemiah back to a part, another part of who God is. And the third pattern of this conversation, this third pattern of prayer is the promises of God. Look at verse 8. He says, Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I close where I chose to have my name dwell. Now all Nehemiah is doing here is repeating God's words back to him. These are promises that that God had given Moses through Deuteronomy, through Leviticus. You you can't go back and find the verse that he quoted because it's kind of a hodgepodge of all of the the promises that, that Moses had received and that had been passed down that Nehemiah knew. That, yeah, you scattered us because of our sinfulness. But remember, Lord, you promised that if we return to you, you will gather us back together. And his whole prayer is really just, Lord, you're trustworthy with the covenant that you made. I'm just stating what that covenant is now. And this is my prayer, that you would return us. That you would do the things you've said you were going to do. Now for me, that type of prayer takes on a whole different meaning than, Lord, this is what I want you to do. Rather than, Lord, this is what you said you were going to do. It's totally different. Nehemiah understood that, that, that prayer, that success in, in, in this is, is not only resulting in our prayer life, but in the, the confidence that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. The promises of God are always in His will to do. If we pray the promises of God, He will do it. He promised He would do it. If we align our life up with the promises that God has said He's going to do, He will do it. This is all Nehemiah is doing here. Repeating the promises. When you pray the promises of God, those are prayers that are sure to be answered, yes. Because God's already said He would. This, this, this whole idea, this, this, this threat to scatter was fulfilled. Nehemiah said, you know, you, you told us, you warned us. Through Moses, through other prophets, that if we didn't turn, if we didn't turn back to you, you were going to scatter us. And we just didn't believe you. And now I can see 150 years ago, that was fulfilled. Now, Lord, now fulfill the promise of renewal. Nehemiah is now applying those promises to the situation before him. Asking God to fulfill this promise now. The promises of God. How many of you have ever done a study on the promises of God? Okay. Homework. Assignment for all but two of you that raised your hand. You need to do a study on the promises of God because that is what God has said, I am going to do. If we want to know the will of God, understand the promises of God. 
Because He's already told us, this I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. I want to do this. This is, I promise, this is what. If you do this, I promise this is what will happen. Study the promises of God. Now, they are numerous. There's no good list. Here's the 25 promises of God from Scripture. Okay? You're going to have to dig deep. You probably are going to have to buy another book that helps you begin to find those and dig those out. Let me read you some. 2 Peter 1.4 His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. That's a promise. Matthew 11.28 Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll do the best I can. We'll see what happens. We'll give it a shot. I will give you rest. When life begins to overtake, when the waves are crashing against you, and you become weary, come to me and I will give you rest. That's a promise. Romans 10.9 This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. You can know you are saved. You can know you have salvation because if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Deuteronomy 4.29 But from there you will search for the Lord your God and you will find Him when you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. That that when you seek after God, He will be found. He's not playing hide and seek. You will find Him. Romans 8.28 We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. That's a promise I've gone back on time and time and time again. That any time we hit something that just doesn't make sense, any time we hit suffering that doesn't make sense, that we can't understand the cause of this, I've searched, I can't find a sin that has caused me to be in this situation, I don't understand why I'm here, I don't see the end that this is ever going to turn out well. We know that all things work together for good. We know that the end result is always going to be good. Because God promised it. Now I don't believe, and let me get this clear, I do not believe in the name and claim it. I do not believe in the prosperity gospel, but you can claim God's promises. That is certain. You can't manipulate them to work for you, but you can claim them as truth. Nehemiah's prayer is an appeal to God's goodness to people. His promise to renew the repentant to, 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 is, is what, what was God promised to, to do for your neighbor. He wants to reconcile all people to himself. That is God's will. To reach this city. He, he wants it. We're just acknowledging that we're taking the responsibility. As our confession, we are taking the responsibility for the lostness of this county. And we want God to use us in an incredible way to reconcile all people to Himself. And He has promised He will do it. 
that if they call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. That He can use us. And understand that success will come as a result of prayer and confidence in a great and awe-inspiring, a great and awesome God. And this is the fourth and final pattern of our life, or pattern of of our prayer life, is confidence. Confidence. You can call it faith, believing. I'm going to call it confidence. That, that this whole idea of success was, was bolstered by the promise of God. What God promised He would do, Nehemiah believed. Nehemiah has confidence that God will do it. And so he asked with confidence for God to move. Look at verse 11. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today and have compassion on him in the presence of this man. Now, what does that mean? Giving success. Allow me to have success. We understand that. But he says, and have compassion on him in the presence of this man. Because then he says, at that time I was the cupbearer of the king. You see, when Zerubbabel returned 70 or 80 years before, he went back to Jerusalem with a decree from King Cyrus saying, I have authority to be here and begin to rebuild this rubble. And when Ezra went 70 years after that, Ezra returned with a decree from Darius that said, I have the authority to come and rebuild the temple. Now Nehemiah knew that he was going to need a decree from King Artaxerxes to return to build the wall. And so he said, Lord, give me success. Give me compassion when I go before this man. He prayed that for four months. For four months, he waited for the right time, the right opportunity. When he sensed, now the door is open, I need to go through it. He didn't pray it and then barge through That confidence did not just give him the right to just go and do whatever. He was still working under God's plan. He was still working under His direction, His guidance. He said, God, go before me. Provide me opportunities. God can do anything. Do we agree with that? God can do anything. And anything that God can do, prayer can do. Anything that God can do, prayer can do. And so as we pray pray the promises of God, as we pray what God has already promised He's going to do, it can happen. And we can pray with confidence. We can pray with, with, with complete faith. Lord, give me the opportunity to reach that neighbor. Lord, give me the courage, give me the opportunity to share my story with that coworker. And that doesn't mean tomorrow morning you're going to go to work all bolstered up and you're going to lay it out on the desk for him. It may be four months, it may be six months, it may be four years of praying that prayer before God opens the opportunity. You see, there's a, there's a delicate balance between waiting and working. We're good at working. We're not so good at waiting. Be 
Because many of us, we just bolstered up enough courage to even ask God for it. Now we're ready to go. And God says, okay, but I, I still got some more preparation. I, I got I to gotta go before you. You keep praying it. You be persistent in that prayer. And Nehemiah for four months. Waiting for God to do what only God could do. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus was in the, in the wilderness for 40 days being harassed by the enemy. Paul spent three years in the desert of Arabia. Nehemiah, four months. Whatever it takes. We're persistent because we have confidence that the thing that we ask for is within the promises of God and what God has promised He will do. Because our success is going to be dependent upon our prayer and confidence in a great and awesome God to do what He said He's going to do. And so this, this week, last week we called everyone to a weekly fast. How many of you fasted? I'm not going to ask. I don't have to know. That's between you and God. A fast is always between you and God. He even warns, don't you know, make yourself look like you're you know, dying of hunger. I don't think skipping one meal is going to do that to us. But I called last week for, for everyone to, to begin a weekly fast. Now it wasn't just last week. That's from now until Jesus comes. From now until He completes it, we set aside one part of, of our week that we're fasting. We're giving up something that we normally, is just part of our routine, in order to seek out a spiritual emphasis. To develop compassion for the lost. This week, it's a call to persistent prayer. Four months, four years, four hours. I, I don't know, whenever God moves, He'll move. But until then, we need to be persistently, and this is a daily call, to be persistent in prayer, to strengthen our faith to see Him work, to build our confidence, waiting on God that is, is preparing us for the opportunity. R.C. Trench, don't expect you to know who he is, preacher from hundred and some years ago said this, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's not, it's not bothering Him enough to where He gives in. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of His highest willingness. God wants to do it. He wants to reach. It's His desire to reconcile all people to Himself. Prayer is the battleground where souls are won and lost. God said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The prayer is the first work. Let me ask you this question. Just think about it. Mull on this over the next week or so. If prayer was the most important thing about Mac... What do you think would look different? If prayer was the most important thing about this church, what would look different? Because starting today, it is. 
Prayer is the most important thing we will do. We've developed a prayer team. If you want to be a part of that prayer team, you see me. You call the office. There's not a whole lot of requirements to be part of the prayer team. You're going to be diligent in prayer. You're going to be persistent in prayer. The prayer team is available after every service. If you want to come, there's there's place right up here where, where we're going to gather. If you want to pray, you can come up here. Someone will pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, that's fine. But we are going to be a people of prayer. It is the most important thing we do. We're going to start, and this is where we're going to start, one Wednesday night every month is prayer night. We're going to gather, and and we're going to share a meal, like we always do on Wednesdays. But the teaching time isn't going to be a teaching time, it's just going to be a prayer time. We're just going to gather together, not not no agenda. We might have a few requests that we know we want to bring before God, but we're just going to seek Him out. Because we're going to rely upon His promises to do what He has said He's going to do. And we're just in that time going to align our wills with His and seek out those opportunities to be a part of the reconciliation of all people to Himself. It is through prayer that we are broken for the lost around us. And it is through our brokenness for the lost that we will persist in prayer. Father, this morning, call us out. Call us to lives of prayer. Call us to meaningful prayer. Call us to persistent, prevailing prayer. Father, we desire what you desire, that this be a house of prayer to all nations. Father, a place where we can come and find you, where we can come and adore you, where we can come and confess to you, where we can come and stand with confidence upon your promises. Father, discipline us in this whole arena of prayer. To your name's glory. To the Lord God of heaven. To the great and awe-inspiring God. We adore you. In Jesus' name. Amen. fills the night it cannot hide the light
Wednesday nights, we've started a series, When God's People Pray. And I want to encourage you to just come. You may not learn anything, but you will be inspired to pray. There are some phenomenal stories of how God answered prayer. And, and, and teaching us along the way of, of how to be better at this discipline. So I want to encourage you, Wednesday night, come out. 6 o'clock, we share a meal. 7 o'clock, we, we start the teaching. We also have... a. will if, if you're interested in, in studying the promises of God, three books I'll throw at you. There's a book called 199 Promises of God. I don't know if they just couldn't come up with one more. I don't know the author of that. You can look it up. R.C. Sproul, phenomenal author, uh, has a book called The Promises of God. And Sheila Walsh has The Shelter of God's Promises. So three books there that you can do. Wednesday night, just all of that is focusing to move us. Uh, to be a house of prayer. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world, of, the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything, take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. And with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit, and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Commit yourself this week to adoration, confession, promises, and asking with confidence based on those promises what God wants to do. Amen? Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night.